Welcome, church family, to the message uh, for today's online service. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the service so far, and we're going to be continuing in 1 John, and we're up to chapter 5 now, believe it or not. Um, I'm going to sort of look back through uh, one of John's key messages. I'm sure you already know it uh, throughout his uh, letter. But what I wanted to do before uh, getting to that was just uh, reflecting on the words, I love you. And uh, you might have said these words to someone, you might have heard someone say them to you, but I'm sure you would have noticed this as well. In society today, the words I love you are just being used with greater and greater ease, a greater and greater level of flippancy, um, and that the words carry less and less weight. The words which are really precious, I love you. And the other thing that you probably notice as well is that sometimes people even use them in a manipulative way. They say, I love you but they're saying that so that they can get something out of the relationship or, or hold uh, someone in a particular position. And uh, it's just interesting the way that words can uh, carry meaning and weight or they can be emptied of their meaning and weight. And uh, I wanted to reflect on John's core message throughout 1 John, and it's this, that we love one another. And it, holding ourselves to that. Are we loving one another? How do we know that we're fulfilling that? How do we know when I say, I love you, that my life is producing a fruit that is aligning with my words, that it's not just uh, empty words I'm speaking out, but it's, there's truth and there's action. Uh, John's even said this at one point. He said, uh, this is uh, chapter 3, verse eight, 18 sorry, of his letter. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And you see his place, this emphasis here. So how can we know if we're uh, coming towards this call of John's to love one another? How can we know that we're not just saying it in, in words, but with deep actions and in truth? How, how do we know how to test ourselves? And it's an interesting thing to test if you really love someone or if you are expressing that love. It's hard to quantify if you consider some of the other commandments that you find in Scripture, like, for example, do not murder, it's quite easy to quantify and to discern, yes, that person is or isn't keeping that commandment. If you look at my life, you just have a look and you can see, yes, Oliver has fulfilled the commandment not to murder because he hasn't murdered anyone. Or even something like coveting, it says, do not covet. And I can check myself, even though you can't necessarily test or I can't test you, it's quite easy for ourselves to dis discern that within our own minds. We look at our ourselves and we say, am I wanting that when actually I shouldn't and I should be thankful that someone else has that? And so we can discern quite easily if we're coveting or not. But with love, how do you discern if you've loved someone? How do you know if you're fulfilling that commandment? Is it just because you've been kind to them that day? Were you kind to them in the day before? Is it because um, you've uh, helped them out in a particular way or you've uh, the relationship is growing? Or How do you know when you fulfill the commandment to love, and in our case, to love one another, what we're looking at here in 1 John? I remember uh, talking with someone about the greatest commandment to love the Lord our God, and they said, you know, there's no cap on that. You can't just sort of say, I've fulfilled that. I have fulfilled the commandment to love the Lord my God. There's always room to grow in this command. And the same is true of loving one another. Um, even if you consider your own life, just think about what you did yesterday and think, did I fulfill the commandment to love one another? Have I fulfilled the commandment to love the Lord my God? And as you reflect on your day yesterday, what you did, your actions, your thoughts, your words, all these things, the things you didn't do, 
how is it that you're discerning that you have or haven't fulfilled that commandment? Well, it's great that we're up to this passage in 1 John because it's going to give us some great clarity and very helpful detail in answering this question of how we discern if we're fulfilling this commandment to love one another. So let's dive in here. We're going to start at uh, chapter 5, verse 1. If you've got your Bibles, pick them up and uh, we'll start reading that now. John writes this, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And this is... Uh, um, very easy to skim over here, but it's a prerequisite. Do you know that if you do not believe that Jesus is the Christ, you cannot love one another? Because without believing Jesus is the Christ, you haven't been born of God, you're not in the family of God, and therefore you cannot love one another. So here we have a prerequisite for fulfilling this commandment, that we believe that Jesus is the Christ. And he goes on further in verse 1 and he says, everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. And that makes sense. He goes on further here, verse 2. Let's have a read of this section. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. And it makes sense. You think of it even in an earthly perspective. If you love me, you're going to love my children. You're going to love Hadassah, Abel, Justin, and we've got a fourth one on the way. You're going to love my kids. You're going to weep when they are going through struggles. You're going to rejoice when they're doing well. It's a natural overflow of your love and affection towards me, as mine is towards you and your children, if you have children. And so the same here is true spiritually. If we love our Heavenly Father, we know, exactly as he says here in verse 2, that we are loving his children. And therefore, we're essentially fulfilling this commandment that John is re-articulating over and over again throughout this uh, letter to love one another. But notice here in verse 2, he had something very uh, interesting, which he begins to expand on. And it's this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. And he goes on to unpack that or qualify it. In verse 3, he says, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. I don't know if you've ever seen that or ever observed that, but obedience to God is how we fulfill our love towards him. It's how we express our love towards him. Jesus even unpacks this in John chapter 14, and you can read through that to see what Jesus speaks into this. But as we are expressing our love for God, we do this by being obedient to his commandments and fulfilling what he has said. So then, to answer our question, again, I'm thinking about you, I'm thinking about myself, how do we know if we fulfilled this commandment to love one another? Well, we know it if we're loving the Father. And how do we know if we're loving the Father? John's saying here, this is love of God, that we keep his commandments. And if you consider that question, you look at your own life and you say, am I keeping God's commandments? I'm guessing for you, your answer is not going to be yes, and it's actually not going to be no. <laughs> it's going to be both. Yes, I keep his commandments at these points, and no, I don't at these points, or in these circumstances, it's hard, or you know, with these people, I find it easier. It might be any of the above, but almost 100%, you're going to find the answer to being obedient to God's commandments is a yes and a no. So you sort of think, well, how can I know then if it's such a blurry answer to keeping God's commandments, if I am truly loving one another and fulfilling that commandment? Well, the blurriness that you experience in that area translates into the other, meaning that if you obey God's commandments and you answer that saying yes or no, 
Then you can say over here, if you love one another, the answer is yes and no, you love one another. Here, let me unpack it with an example from a commandment that I used earlier. Do not covet, all right? If you've got that commandment and you are seeking to be obedient to it, yet at some point, I'll use myself here, if I fail to be obedient and fulfill that commandment and I'm covetous over something that one of my brothers or sisters has and I desire it, what happens within me? I start to get jealous, I start to become envious and that is poisoning me in my relationship towards my brother and sister. Right then and there, you know the answer. Am I loving one another? Am I fulfilling that commandment to my brother or sister at that point? No, because I'm not fulfilling that commandment there to be obedient. And that's an exact example. At whatever point I say yes, and I am obedient to that commandment, at that point I can match it and say, yes, I am fulfilling that commandment to love one another and to love the Lord my God. And so this is the question. This is the thing that I want to draw home to you. Are you growing in your love for one another? You can say and measure your life, and you might have been reflecting on this as we've gone throughout First John and said to yourself, you know, I'm not doing too bad. I do love the people around me. I am caring for them. I'm doing this and that, or I'm doing more than others. Or you might be using all sorts of weights and measures. But you want to use the measure that John is giving? And it's this, are you obeying God's commandments as an expression of your love to the Father and then using that as an overflow, an expression of your love for his children, your brothers and sisters? And if you seek to grow in that, you will find that there's a lot of commandments. <laughs> This is a big book. I'm sure you all know. There's a lot of stuff in here. And that can seem very overwhelming. How can you go about growing in fulfilling and uh, being more and more obedient to the commandments of God so that you are more and more loving to your brothers and sisters? Well, let's pick up here. I want to draw out this very excellent thing that John uh, draws out here at the very end of verse 3. He says this, This is the love of God that we keep His commandments and... His commandments are not burdensome. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the commandments of God are not burdensome at all? That can be hard to believe, especially when you're thinking, all right, I want to grow my love. I want to express my care for more uh, for my brothers and sisters. I want to be obedient and fulfill this commandment to love one another. And then realizing, oh, the implications of that are so heavy. There's so many commandments for me to fulfill now in order to see this become a reality, this love for one another, this thrust of the message from First John. And I remember it was in a conversation uh, with uh, my brother, Elwin Jones. Many of you will know him. Uh, and he drew out this uh, verse to me. I can't remember the detail of the conversation, but I was just struck by this verse and this part of it where it says, his commandments are not burdensome. And I went away and I realized I couldn't echo in my heart with John that. I couldn't say with John, yes, God's commandments are not burdensome. And I went on a journey and I'm now in a place where I can echo truly in my heart of hearts that God's commandments are not burdensome for me to fulfill. Why is that? I bet you want to know, right? Well, there's two reasons. The first is this, that God's commandments, I believe, are the absolute best way for you to live and for me to live. If you want to live in the absolute best possible way that your life can be lived, then you want to fulfill God's commandments. Not what your wife thinks, not what your husband thinks, not what your parents think or your children or your friends or whoever it might be, not even what you yourself think. It's what God thinks. That is going to be the best possible way for you to fulfill 
and have a whole life that is, um, is blessed. It's the best possible way to live. And why is that? It's because of these two foundations. One is that God created everything. He created you, he created me, he created the entire world. And when someone creates something, you know that they have the best understanding of how that thing works together, how it functions and how it can be drawn out into its greatest capacity. It's just like in instructions. You want to you learn about something. Um, you might be having a, a new tool or a new um, IT item or whatever it is. The people who know that thing the best are the people who built it, not the people who are telling you about how to read the instruction kit. The same is with God. He built it. He created it. He knows the best possible way for us to live our lives. And the second truth that this is founded on is this, that God is perfect in his love and his goodness towards you and me. And if you combine that with the creator God, then we will see that God loves us, is perfect in his goodness. He created everything. And therefore, as he speaks to us, he is explaining the best possible way for us to live. And the second reason is this, that God's commandments are not burdensome. It's because he empowers us to live them out. He doesn't leave us on our own to try and work towards some great height of fulfilling all God's commandments. That would be pharisaical. That would be legalistic. That would be burdensome. That would be heavy for you and I. No, he actually comes in his son, Jesus Christ, and by the power of his Holy Spirit enables us to live out his commandments. Isn't that a great deal? I know, it's a wonderful thing being a believer. Yeah, even John speaks to this. In uh, chapter 4, verse 9, he says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us. Pay attention. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Jesus has come into this world that we might live through him, that we can express that out. And so this is why God's commandments are not burdensome, because it's the best possible way for us to live and he empowers us to do it. And so as we do this, we're fulfilling the commandment to love God, we're being obedient to his commandments, and we're expressing this thrust of the message from 1 John to love one another. Now let's move on here to verse 4. John says this, Everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is an interesting thing. What I'm going to try and do is unpack. There are a few verses here that are woven together throughout 1 John that I'm going to make reference to. And hopefully, it's difficult. I'm still wrapping my head around it myself. But in weaving these verses together, we can see how there is this victory, this overcoming of the world for us who have been born of God. So let's start, let's start in chapter 4, verse 7. John writes this and says, Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And this love is not a love that's just, uh, again, that flippant love that I was talking about at the start. No, this is a love that John is describing throughout this letter. It's a love that is uh, God is desiring for us to have. It's a love that he wants us to express. And whoever loves like this has been born of God. Now, if we come across back to chapter 2, verse 15, John is unpacking um, a love of the world and he's talking about the, um, the issues with that. And he says in verse 15 at one point, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. But if we flip that on its head, we can say, if anyone loves the Father, the love of the world is not in him. And then combining that back with verse 7, whoever loves has been born of God. So we could put that together and say, 
Whoever loves has been born of God and that person loves the Father and the love of the world is not in him. And that's exactly what John's explaining here in verse 4. Everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. You see, he describes later in uh, chapter 2, it's verse 17, and he says, um, the world and everything in the world is passing away, but the one who does the will of God is going to abide forever. Who's the one who does the will of God? That's someone who's being obedient to his commandments. It's someone who's loving him. It's someone who is expressing that love by being obedient and doing the will of God. If you do that, which as we are born again, that is our natural expression. As you do that, there will be this victory that overcomes the world through faith. And that's exactly what he talks about here. He goes on in verse 4. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And we see this intertwined connection between love and faith going backwards and forwards and John is unpacking that throughout the scripture and as we delve into that we will find this expression of the love of God enabling us in this victory overcoming the world and not being tangled up and caught up in something that's going to pass away and come to an end. I've personally meditated on this verse and I really appreciated the truth of it and Stuart was just unpacking it for us last week It's in chapter 4, verse 16. And John says this, We have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Can you say that of yourself, that you have come to know and to believe, to hold fast to the, the love that God has for you? And there's a journey, there's a process in that. But John says, I've come to a place where I know it, I believe it. I know the love that God has for me. And you can see that through how he expresses it in his writing. But this is so important and so crucial in our journey of faith that we come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. And this is how we journey in this victory of faith and overcome the world. He closes here in verse 5 saying this, Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And as you do that, you will overcome the world. I want to come back, just wrapping up, just to the core of that. If you want to fulfill this major message that John has been presenting to us over and over again throughout this letter, that we love one another, you are going to do that by loving God. And how do you love God? Well, this is love for God, that you keep His commandments. And they're not burdensome. They're a joy to keep. They're life-fulfilling. They're life-giving. And in that, you can manifest, you can express your love of God and pour that out. But knowing and believing that love and receiving that, we love because he first loved us. As we receive his love, we express that back out. And that is what gives us a victory that overcomes the world. And we will go on to abide forever with him. May you do that, not only today, not only tomorrow, but on this journey throughout our Christian life for the glory of God. He is so worthy of it. The Lord bless you.